Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good, good. It's good to see you here this morning. We're excited because today, again, as already been mentioned, begins Missions Month. And I'm excited because we get to hear God's word from one of our missionaries, Larry Dunn. Larry and Kathy, they work in evangelism and church planting in Ireland. And as of this year, they're going to spend half their time working here in the United States. Larry's work involves everything from door-to-door evangelism to street evangelism to leadership and discipleship training, and he also works with the unhoused. Kathy supports Larry in his ministry, and in addition to that, she also ministers to the physical needs of people through naturopathy. Um, Larry and Kathy have three grown children, a son-in-law, and, this is exciting news, a brand-new grandbaby. So Larry is a grandfather. Today, Larry is kicking off our Missions Month with a message entitled, Correct Reaction in Times of Crises. Correct Reaction in Times of Crises. And he'll be speaking to us from Psalm 46. So, let's give a warm, e-free welcome to Larry Dunn. Thank you very, very much. Um, I have to get my computer going now, and once I have that going, I think we'll be on the way. I'm not very good with computers. I just want to say as well, while I'm getting this going, thank you so, so very much uh, for all your support over the years, because it has been absolutely uh, wonderful. Um, We have been with this church for a very long time. Um, It has always been very good to have this church involved in the missions that we're involved in over in Ireland. Uh, We've had teams from this church, a number of teams from this church that come over to work with me over in Ireland um, over the summers. So thank you very much for that. And thank you again for your your constant support. Uh, Missions is very important to me. Uh, Missions is is vitally important to me because... um, I often say I have two favorite missionaries. One is my wife, who came over to Ireland on a short-term mission in 1988, where we met. And uh, she was doing some evangelistic work over there with the church that I was part of. And uh, she um, and I met up together. And 34 years ago, yesterday, we were married. Just yesterday. (laughs) So we celebrated our 34 years of marriage. And my second uh, is the missionary man that uh, was sent from... California, uh, San Diego, California, who I met on the streets of Dublin in 1985, just before I met, met Kathy. I heard what he had to say. I heard the message of the gospel for the first time in my life. I had never had a Bible in my hand or anything like that. He introduced me to the scriptures, um, but when he spoke, um, what he spoke about was real to me because I knew that this is something that I had been looking for and searching for. So I put my faith and trust in Christ. I still work with that man. I'll be going back over at the end of March and be staying over there for a couple of months, coming back and going back over to Ireland again for three months. As he said, we're going to spend quite a, a bit of time over in Ireland. 
and I work with him on the street still to this very day. My brother is over there as well, and he also works with him. But my main ministry is door-to-door evangelism, sharing the gospel with people, knocking on doors. That's why, not only when I'm over there, but also over here, we're trying to start up the ministry over here with churches that would be interested. Um, on the 18th, we're starting with one particular church, going out on a Saturday morning, going around the neighborhood, and inviting them to church, and hopefully get the gospel in as we invite them to, to, to the church. Um, so, uh, this morning we're going to be talking uh, from, uh, speaking about from, from um, Psalm 46, and the title of this uh, particular psalm is the Psalm of the Sons of Korah, and of course it was a song at the time, and during this particular time there was a lot of different things going on, as you're going to listen in a few minutes to what the psalm is about. Uh, we're going to be looking at some a few select verses in, we're not going to look at all of it, because there's an awful lot in the particular psalm, psalm itself, uh, but we will be looking at a few select verses in it and asking uh, what our response should be in times of crisis, how we should react, how should we react when difficult times come. I know in 1994, Cathy and I, we were, I, as I said, I was a commercial fisherman uh, when I met Cathy. We stayed fishing for about three years, and then we decided in 1991 to go into the full-time Christ, Christian work and missionary work. Um, so we were over here between 91 and 94. But while I was over here in 1994, just before we went, we went back to Ireland, um, Myself and Kathy, and, and then at that time, our nearly four-year-old son, Nathan, uh, were here in Southern California. And in the early hours of January morning, some of you might remember this, um, we were woken up by a very, very powerful earthquake. You know, I mean, I don't have earth, we don't have earthquakes over in Ireland. The only earthquake that we would have, would, my big brother used to come running down the stairs, bang, 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 bang. That's the only earthquake we knew about. But there was an earthquake, and it was 6.7 on the Richter scale, and it was known as the Northridge earthquake. Now, it really shook our apartment at the time, and in different places in California, buildings and freeways actually collapsed, killing several people. Now, after the event, you know, we had a lot of chat and a lot of talk about earthquakes in general. And Kathy informed me that um, when she was growing up here in Southern California, because she's from Orange County, um, the expectation of an earthquake uh, was always there and it could come at any time. So they learned as kids growing up that um, how they should react when the event actually does happen and what they should do. If they were indoor, they would react one way. If they were outdoor, they would react in a different way. And, uh, and, and it was very important because she learned that the proper reaction could actually save your life. And of course, the wrong reaction, uh, could, you could lose your life. So it was important that they learned how to properly react during the unpredictable time of an earthquake. Now, three years ago, of course, we were at the beginning of a very unpredictable time, I think we all remember. Uh, and never in my lifetime, anyway, have I witnessed the whole world uh, suffering uh, from a situation like we experienced. When COVID-19 was announced as being highly contagious and, and declared a pandemic, there was many, many different reactions from people around the world. In Ireland, there was, you know, suggestions that this virus could kill millions and millions of people and reduce the Earth's population dramatically, you know. It was believed that there would be serious food shortages and people began to queue up in stores and people began to stock up and get concerned and worried and, and all of this. 
And fear of the catching the virus, it just continued to increase as people listened to the Irish government's regular updates on the situation. Daily reports, of course, were coming in at that particular time uh, of the number of people who were infected with the virus and then the number of people who sadly died with the virus. Regular hand washing, of course, um, became, you know, the norm, sanitization and, and all the rest. Even wearing the face masks while outside became compulsory in some parts of the world. They really took it serious. And jobs were lost and the millions of people began to realize that, you know, the effect of this disease is going to hit our economies all around the world like never before. I don't think there was a family in the whole world that escaped some effect of this pandemic. Naturally, uh, when this ever-changing information came flooding in, reaction of some kind was inevitable. You know, it, it, it was, that was at that particular time, but what about now? What about now? How should Christians react when a crisis does come about, of any kind, we're not talking about any particular pandemic or anything like that, but when we are hit with a particular situation or a particular crisis in our life, you know, how should we react? You know, as I say, it doesn't have to be a global uh, pandemic. It doesn't have to be anything like that. How should we react in a world that wants to blame God for everything? Wants to blame God for everything. What should our response be? And in Psalm 46, it gives God's perspective on how we ought to react. Because this reminds us that when trouble strikes, God is sufficient to get us through. He is sufficient. And that's a great comfort that we can go through life with. Psalm 46, let me read it for you. And just think of these verses. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the work of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do indeed praise you and we just thank you for this psalm. We thank you for the comfort of knowing, Lord, that you are our fortress. You are our comfort. Lord, we know that nothing, nothing happens without you knowing it, Lord, and in full control of it. 
And I just pray that this morning, Lord, that we would be comforted, Lord, knowing that you are in control, knowing that you can deal with any situation that arises in our life. And I just pray, Lord, as we, as we just con contemplate your word, that we would just think more of you and your power, not on our weakness, not on what we cannot do, but what you can do. And I pray that we would constantly rely on you, especially in difficult times. So be with us this morning. Speak to our hearts. Speak to me. And I just pray by your spirit, Lord, you will enlighten our minds to understand the truth of your holy word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the psalm opens with a great reminder that um, help is available when difficult times do arise. And they will arise. Psalm 46 inspired, inspired the great reformer Martin Luther as well to write this great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And of course, at that time, Luther was facing many, many dangers and threats on his life from the forces that he was challenging. You know, in his, in, in his book, The Treasury of David, C.H. Spurgeon said, he said this, he said, at one point, he spent 11 months in hiding in Watburg Castle. In the face of opposition, excommunication, and pressure from every side to back down, he stood firmly for the truth of salvation by grace through faith alone. When he, was on occasion to, when he had occasion to fear or grow discouraged, he would, he would say to his friend and co-worker, Philip, Philip, come let us sing the 46th Psalm. And they would lift their voices. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Lovely words. See, Luther wrote, we sing the psalm to the praise of God because God is with us. God is with us. Even through his difficult time, he was comforted knowing those words. You know, in the crisis Luther was facing, he was comforted also by the very words that God was his refuge and his strength. Not will be his refuge, but was right then is his refuge and strength. Now, we, when we talk about a crisis in a world, I'm going to give you some points to think about. Simple points. Sometimes we get caught up and we, we, we just get caught up in the world and we, we, we can't think beyond our nose. You know, so I want to give you some reaction and how we should react when difficult times comes away. And our first reaction should be as simple as just to simply remember that we live in a fallen and decaying world. And there will always, believe this or not, there will always be trouble on the horizon, no matter how good our life might seem. There's always trouble down the road somewhere. See, man's sin and rebellion against God in Genesis 3 not only broke our relationship with God, and that, of course, was bad enough, but it brought a curse on the entire creation, resulting in natural disasters like earthquakes and famines and plagues, and, and the list goes on and on. We live in a fallen world. We're living in a world tainted with sin, and the result of that is suffering and pain. In Romans 8.20, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility, meaning everything in nature wears down. Science even knows that this earth is wearing down all the time. If I was to ask for a show of hands here this morning, 
of how many people believe that this world will actually get better. Now, this is prior to the Lord's coming, of course. Will actually eventually become much be a better place to live in. I don't think I would get a very good response. I would hope I wouldn't get a very good response. You see, if we expect this world to reverse its decay and begin to get better because of some big political move or because of you know, some great cure for all sicknesses, you know, if we think that, I think we're going to set ourselves up for very serious disappointment. And as a result of that, we will react incorrectly. We won't react the way we ought to. We should re often remind ourselves, remind ourselves of the true condition and destination of this world that we live in. Because when we do that, we'll not be prone to set our hope on a world that cannot give us any hope. In verse 1 of Psalm 46, it tells us who it is that can give us this hope. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, the verse doesn't say God, you know, will be our refuge and strength or, or God might be our refuge and strength. It says that God is. It's a present tense. God is our refuge and strength. He's that now. Two years time, he'll be that. Ten years time, 20 years time, we could say, if our faith is in the Lord Jesus, God is our refuge and he is our strength. Amen? You see, that's what it's about. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Yes, that brought you know, the means of forgiveness and where our relationship is restored. That broken relationship was completely restored by the blood of Christ and what he has done. But only in the second coming will the whole of creation be renewed. You know, and the Bible makes it lovely. It says, you know, waiting. And we're talking about from Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And it says, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's absolutely a wonderful thing to look forward to. And we should be looking forward to that. I hope you are this morning. So our first reaction should be to remember that we live in a fallen and decaying world. And, the only, and only when he returns will this world get better. Only when he returns. But how else should we react when a crisis of any kind, a difficult time of any kind, comes our way. And I'm going to give another simple reaction. Don't fear. Don't fear. I mean, you, that's easier said than done. But no, but listen to what the scripture says. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. You know that word Selah, you know, when you, you often see it at the end in, in the Psalms, at the end of a verse, it says, pause, take note, pay attention. I've just said something big here. Just take a bit of time just to contemplate what was said. See, the Psalm doesn't teach us that the Christians are exempt from trouble, but the, that God is our help when trouble does come our way. And if we're tempted to think that God is, you know, well, 
our trouble is far too big for God. If we're tempted to think that way, you know, the psalmist even mentions an earthquake that was so severe that even mountains slip into the heart of the sea, into the sea. And he says, what he's saying is that the worst case scenario, the worst disaster that you could even imagine, God is even greater than that. He's even greater than that. So we need not fear. We need not fear. If he can handle that situation, believe me, he can handle your small situation that you might be going through. But we need to remember that, you know. I think we can hear him even saying things like, don't fear, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to fear. From the very beginning of this pandemic, the Irish media were very uh, much, they were talking about the possibility of a second wave and surges and all of these things. I, I was beginning to think, maybe it's not face masks we need, but life jackets, you know, with all the stuff that they were talking about. Not that we didn't need to be careful, but I believe that what they had done, they instilled an awful lot of fear into the hearts of the people, causing them to improperly react. We need not fear because God, the God of heaven and earth, is our refuge. He's our strength. We're not Christless. We're not helpless. We're not hopeless. No. But let's not react in fear as if we are. Let's remember who it is that holds us up. Joni Erickson, some of you might remember her, Joni Erickson Tada. She's an author and speaker and a singer and a painter. And this, was, this is all done from her wheelchair. And on July 30th, 1967, Joni, age 17 at the time, went with her sister Kathy to a beach, and she suffered a diving accident. You know, it resulted in her becoming quadriplegic, permanently unable to use her arms or legs. Now, later she suffered from stage three breast cancer, and she was, you know, went through the mill altogether. It was very, very difficult. But during the COVID-19 crisis, she wrote this, and I thought this was lovely. She said, I'm an individual at great risk to the coronavirus. I'm an aging quadriplegic with very fragile lungs, an immune system that can be easily compromised. But I bolster my confidence that the world belongs to Almighty God. That's where she stood, you know? That's where her confidence was. It wasn't in herself. She knew she was weak, as we all are. But our confidence was in the God that she trusted in. So as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, in times of crisis, there's absolutely no reason to be caught up in fear and panic. Even Jesus himself says to his disciples in, in Matthew 10, uh, 28, he says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So in times of crisis, don't let fear be a reaction. But another way Christians should react during times of difficulty is trust in the sovereignty of God. I'm sure a lot of people say yes. Uh, I would habit people say, well, God is sovereign and all of that. But listen to these verses in verses 8 and 9. He says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Now that sounds to me like God is in full control, yeah? 
He's in full control. Thank God for that. Thank you, Lord. God has authority over some things, doesn't he? I'm waiting on a reaction. Has he authority over some things only? No, he has authority over all things. He has authority over all things. And he's in full control of all things. There's nothing that does not fall under his authority. And nothing that's out of his control. We need to remember that. We need to constantly remember that, you know. And believe it or not, even that included that coronavirus thing that we went through and any other virus that might come our way in the future, you know. Do you believe that God is... Hands up. Who believes that God is sovereign here? Yeah, I think we all believe that God is sovereign, you know. But if we believe that God is sovereign, why, why do we get so concerned and anxious at times? Why are we bent out of shape sometimes when difficult times come our way? See, we as Christians can often say things, you know, without even thinking that, yes, God is sovereign and he's in full control, and yet to continue to panic and freak out when difficult times arise. Or is that only me? Maybe it's just me. You know, we need to remind ourselves constantly, even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, uh, we have a man living out his belief in the sovereignty of God. Jehoshaphat was king of Judah and was told that he was in trouble. He got word that there was armies, numerous armies on the horizon. And they were coming to destroy him. And in that time of crisis, he prayed like he was reminding himself of the sovereignty of God. And he said this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 6. He says, O oh Lord... God of our fathers, are you, not, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the earth. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. That's the confidence he had in his God. You know, and I think we should put verses like this to memory. And when difficult times do come, and when difficult times come, quote them to yourself and believe that there's nothing able to withstand our God. We are safe and secure in his hands. Praise God for that. We also see in the New Testament when Paul reminded us in Colossians, you know, as he spoke about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ in Colossians 1 and verse 17. He says, and he is before all things, speaking about Christ, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. He's got it in his hands. We need not worry. See, the, the scriptures reveal that God either causes plagues, as he did in Egypt, or God allows them, as he did with Job. Nothing happens outside his divine will or consent. God is not weak. He's not helpless. He's not hopeless. God is sovereign. He is absolutely sovereign. Now, we don't know the exact reason what was behind COVID-19. Whether this was God's judgment on the world or him just allowing Satan to have his way for a time. But we as Christians must trust constantly and remind ourselves constantly, you know, of the sovereignty of God. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. He put it lovely. He says, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. Isn't that nice? 
That's what you, that's what you rest in. That's what you trust in. So trust in the sovereignty of God. Another proper reaction in times of crisis. Take advantage of every crisis and use it as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, we were over here in, in 91. In 1991, when we came over to start our work over in 1991 uh, to 1994. But during that time, I brought a team from the United States over to Ireland to work. And... Um, and there was helping with the evangelistic work over there. And as we were going from house to house, uh, people kept speaking about the latest Irish crisis and how they were responding and, and so forth. You know, it, it had been revealed that, it, you know, a very, very popular uh, Roman Catholic bishop had had an affair with a lady way back in the 70s. And, uh, and he was a priest at that particular time. And she'd given birth to his son. And for years, you know, he was secretly supporting uh, her with church funds. And of course, Ireland got to know about this in the early 90s, and that was nearly 20 years later. Now, to the Irish people, um, that was a, a major, major crisis at the time. Major crisis. And um, it was the talk of the town everywhere. If you walked into a pub, they'd be talking about it at the bar. If you walked down the town, you could hear it, the mumblings of it going on. It was just a, it was a major Irish crisis that happened at that particular time. And um, as we were sharing the gospel now with, with people, uh, people kept asking us, you know, what we thought about the situation, what we thought about... Um, what had just been revealed. And it gave us great opportunity to turn the attention from the man in question to our own hearts and preach the gospel. I would say to them, that man is just like you and me. He's just like you and me. He has a sinful heart and needs to repent and turn to Christ for forgiveness. I simply took advantage of the situation and used it to preach the gospel now, that wasn't the first time, of course, because remember when Jesus also um, used a situation, a drastic situation, and he used that and took advantage of it to preach the gospel. In Luke chapter 13, verse 4 and 5, he says, Of those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So dealing with this disaster, notice how he turned the conversation from the crisis to his listeners. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, don't be concerned about them. Don't be concerned about something that's out of your control. What about you? What about you? See, Jesus used a very bad situation and turned it into an evangelistic opportunity to remind people of their mortality. See, the Bible is not about, you know, Jesus saves you from earthquakes or coronaviruses or anything else like that or any bad situation. The gospel is about Jesus coming and dying on the cross and paying the ultimate price for all our sins. And people need to know that. People need to know. You might think that the coronavirus was bad. And it was bad. But sin is the deadliest virus that this world has ever known. The worst. The coronavirus brought death to some. And that was very sad. But sin brings death to everyone. 
The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. And this death means separation from God forever and ever. But this virus, if you like to use that term, sin, has a, has a sure antidote. And it works because the rest of the verse says that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's what we have. You see, the antidote is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it has the power to cleanse people from all sins. So take advantage of every possible opportunity that you get. Because you, as people, have a message to tell people. You're always in conversation with people. People are always coming up to you and talking about difficulties in their life. Turn it around. Share the gospel. Share about the hope that you have in Christ. Share your testimony. That's what it's about. Take advantage of that. And bring hope to people in a hopeless world. But that brings us to our final reaction this morning. And this might even sound a little bit morbid. Be ready to die anytime. Be ready to die. See, the fact that God is a refuge and strength doesn't mean that we are immune, you know, from troubles and problems that could even lead to our death. When a plane goes down, God doesn't make sure that there's no Christians on board. Uh -uh. You know, or when war ravages countries, he's not just going to you know, preserve believers from its effect. No, or even when cancer comes, it's not just for the ungodly, for everyone. We're all in this, we're all in a fallen world, we're all prone to that. No trouble will strike the godliest. It's going to strike everyone and it will strike the godly and the ungodly. The question is, when trouble does strike us, do you want to face it with God as your refuge and strength? Or do you want to find help elsewhere? Think about that. During the 19th century, the first cholera pandemic occurred in Calcutta, India. It was spread to other parts of the world. Key, key symptoms were diarrhea and dehydration. And millions and millions of people died. Now, relating to that, C.H. Spurgeon said this. He says, if there ever be a time when the mind is sensitive... It is when death is abroad. I recollect when first I came to London how anxious people listened to the gospel. For the cholera pandemic was raging terribly. There was little scoffing then, he said. Family after family summoned me to the bedside of the smitten and almost every day I was called to visit the grave. I went home and was soon called away again, that time to see a young woman also in her last extremity. But it was a fair, fair sight. She was singing, though she knew she was dying, and, taking, and talking to those around about her, telling her brothers and sisters to follow her to heaven, bidding goodbye to her father, and all the while smiling as if it had been her marriage day. Isn't that lovely? She was happy. She was blessed. And she was certainly ready to die and sure of what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, that's the right reason that this girl was ready to die. Because she recognized one day that she was infected 
with sin. And her reaction was she repented and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness. She was completely convinced of what Jesus said to Martha when he was on the road. And she, she came running out to him, wondering why he wasn't there. And Jesus responded to her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. See, our Savior conquered death. She was totally ready to die. And nothing but, you know, no, nothing to fear only something wonderful to look forward to. And that's what she wanted to preach to her family. That's what she wanted them to know, even as she was dying. See, for you and I to experience God's sufficiency in a crisis, we must be learning to experience it each and every day. We aren't learning to depend on them as a refuge and a strength when things are going smoothly and well. We won't even know how when trouble does strike, you see. Folks, if you're not a Christian here this morning, I just want, I want you to react. I want you to react by repenting of that which is worse than any virus or disease, sin. And ask God to forgive you. And he forgives you through that antidote the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you. And if you are a Christian here this morning, in these times of crisis, whatever they might be, react correctly. React correctly. Remember the world that we live in is a fallen one. Don't put your hope in it. Don't put your trust in it. You know, man's sin and rebellion against God brought a curse on the entire creation. Let's not be surprised when these pandemics or whatever comes our way. And don't fear. Don't fear. Keep in mind that God is our refuge and our strength. He is, is our very present help in trouble, you know. And certainly trust in the sovereignty of God. He has authority over all things. Nothing, nothing, nothing is out of his control. Nothing is out of his control, you know. Let's not just say it, though. But let's believe it and let's live it. When those difficult times come, praise God. Praise Him. Thank Him for difficult times. And that's hard. And also take advantage. Take advantage of every crisis that comes your way. And just don't let them go to waste. Don't let them go to waste. But use them to preach the gospel. Use them to preach the gospel. And from an evangelist, I'm telling you, please use your difficulties. Please use you the difficult times that comes your way to preach the gospel and be ready to die. Be ready to die at any time. I'm closing with Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do indeed praise you for who you are, Lord. Sometimes we forget, sometimes we doubt you, sometimes we put more hope in ourselves and our own resource than you. And I just pray that we would be ones to remember, Lord, that our hope is in you, Lord, that we, Lord, need to constantly remember that this world that we live in cannot bring us any hope, but you can and you have, and thank you for that.
And let us not fear, Lord. Let us not fear when times of temptation comes to fear. Let us remember that you are a very present help in time of trouble. And Lord, we remember your sovereignty. You are in full control, Lord. Nothing is out of your control. Nothing in this world can ever be out of your control. You have it in the palm of your hand, and we thank you for that. And help us, Lord, as believers to take advantage of every situation that comes away and preach that wonderful good news that can give hope to people. And I pray that we would be ready, people ready to die. And I pray that our life would even show that. Be with us now as we go out this week and may we get many opportunities to share the gospel with people. And may your name be glorified. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.